Welcome to the new normal from Spotlight On. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. Today's guest is Marcy Allen. Through her firm, Mac Presents, Marcy's done more than just about anyone else in the last 20 years to bridge the worlds of bands and brands, educating each on the nuances of working profitably and creatively with the other. The brands are only the biggest and include Southwest Airlines, YouTube, Samsung, Adidas, and many, many others. The artists span genres and include Chance the Rapper, The Rolling Stones, John Mayer, Imagine Dragons, Travis Scott, and Keith Urban, to name a few. Marcy joined us to talk about the new normal for herself, her clients, and what makes a great campaign during these times. The great internet black hole of spring 2020 ate a few minutes of our conversation, right about where Marcy was telling me about her experiences as an adjunct professor at NYU. My plan is to have her back to discuss that work and so much more. If you notice any other audio oddities, I just ask for your patience. And now, on to my conversation with Marcy Allen. I originally wanted to talk with you because I saw, I I don't remember who it was, a piece or some comments you had made about um, some opportunities around brands and live streaming. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we'll get to that in a minute. But then subsequently, um, I came to learn, uh, also through posts of yours, just how busy you are in other regards. So um, tell me a little bit about what you've been up to. It sounds like you've been juggling maybe more than most the last few weeks. Well, I have been juggling a lot, but I really do have a lot of time on my hands. And for people who know me know that I don't really like to sit still. husband and I started Ainsley Blue, which is a a high-end luxury CBD brand, as well as a coffee shop here in Nashville, opened up last November, late November. And it was our side hustle. My husband's in construction and owns his own business. And obviously, I've been in the music industry for 25 years. And so when I left New York after my last NYU class, second week of March, and came down to Nashville, because typically I'm in New York one week and then Nashville the next week I do back and forth. Um, It gave me the opportunity to be in the store every day. And we really didn't know, sorry, the dog's barking. We really didn't know um, how we were going to stay open. We didn't know if people still were going to come. Well, the opposite happened. Our sales exploded. And as that happened, we just quickly learned how to pivot. And that's really what I've done my whole career You know, I owned music festivals and then I pivoted and decided to focus on brand partnerships. And so at a coffee shop that was just going to sell coffee and our CBD brand, the next thing you know, we got our liquor license. And so we're doing boozy milkshakes with CBD at one o'clock because again, what else does anyone have to do? (laughs) We started doing custom cheese boards and just, you know what, having fun and, and making light of the situation. And because my husband and I are both Nashville natives, And where the coffee shop is located, I mean, the Starbucks is closed. So it's, we're the only game in shop, excuse me, we're the only shop um, that's in the game currently in our neighborhood. And so we've kind of become a lifeline to the community. It's, you know, curbside pickup for their coffee and lunch is like their one outing of the day that people are doing at Ainsley Blue. 
And so it's interesting because I, I was having a conversation with a girlfriend of mine the other day and she said, it's so crazy. You've gone from connecting artists and brands, you know, which is what you do with Mac presents to now building your own brand yeah. um, with Ainsley blue. And I'm just having a lot of fun. And I think that again, for anybody that knows me, I don't take no for an answer. Even when I fail, which I've failed a lot over my career, I pick myself up and dust myself off and move forward. Because right now with Mac Presents, obviously brands aren't doing live events right now. Everything has gone online and digital and social. So we're working on programs. It's not that we're not doing Mac, um, but it has freed up my time to be able to do both and be a wife and a stepmom. And then I'm continuing to teach my NYU Steinhardt um, strategic branding course every Thursday via Zoom. So can you tell me a little bit, you, you, you started to refer to, um, you know, what's going on at Mac in terms of live events and hopefully pivoting to the, um, to the, some of the streaming and social world. What are you seeing there? Are there opportunities? Are there creative opportunities? What's your read on this, you know, a month in? Well, you just hit the nail on the head and it's something that I actually had an in, in-depth conversation with my class about. Uh, last night about now would be the time more than ever to create your own business and start a new venture. Even someone who's 19 or 20 years old or someone that's in their mid forties like me. And what I love about having Mac presents right now is having the ability to work on any type of project that I want to for the time being. And I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't want to say this is going to be over in June or July or September or November. I don't know when consumers and music fans are going to feel comfortable going back to live events because I can't look into the future. But what I do know is that the current landscape is that no one is discussing that I'm at least working with brand wise live events for the foreseeable future. So therefore you have to pivot which is what my team has done. And we have said, and we've been saying this for about a year now that branded content and content is king and that more and more people are wanting to be able to connect with an artist that maybe they're not in the town where the concert is or where the pop-up branded event is. And so this is not that this is a bad thing, to your point, it's just forcing everyone to be very creative and work harder and work smarter. And so what we see is more brands saying now all of their marketing plans that they had probably been working on since last summer just got thrown out the window. Campaigns were scrapped. It is like we are starting over. And for what typically would take three, six, nine, 12 months to plan, we're planning in three, six, nine, 12 days. And so we're hearing from brands, what's a strategy? Because at the core of it, you have to have a strategy, you know? And then the second most important thing is what are you tying in philanthropically? How are you giving back? If you look at Nielsen data, millennials are the most giving generation there is, is extremely important. They're more likely to purchase a product I think it was over 60% were more likely of millennials were more likely to purchase a product from a brand. If there was a charity tie in, there was another stat that over 70% of millennials feel that brands can save the world over the government. So when you hear a stat like that, 
a brand knows that it's extremely important for them to give back in a meaningful way. You know, now is not the time to be showing an ad of whatever it is, a pair of jeans, a, a car saying, you know, on sale now, come buy it. That's not what's going to resonate with consumers. You have to bring value to them. You have to make them laugh. You know, you might even have to make them cry um, because I can tell you that from experience. Anytime I see anything right now with the doctors and the nurses on the front lines, I'm a weeping mess um, because I'm just in awe of their courage and their bravery and their dedication. And I think that we're hitting a reset button right now with music brand partnerships. And I truly believe that they will forever be changed. I'm not saying that events are not going to come back. I'm saying that how brands look at content in the music industry and how to leverage that in a partnership is going to be their top priority. And that's a good thing. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. So I want to try to get into some of that. <laughs> One of the things you, you said that I'm interested in is I've always, I've always heard or heard it said that one of the problems for brands in working with music is that notion of timelines. You know, even something like a mega tour sponsorship, the tour sometimes doesn't get to doing that until so late in the planning, whereas the brand is looking to lock up its spend 18 months prior, or at least a couple of quarters prior. Um, I'd be really interested, one, to, un to hear a little bit from you is how you've threaded those two things successfully over the years, because I do perceive your company in particular as, as helping rock and roll access brand money um, in a much more methodical way than it was able to in the past. I, I always saw a churn and burn of bands going through brands as opposed to longer term relationships. But then also, specific to this situation or this place in time, how are brands pivoting that fast. You mentioned going from months to days or months to weeks. Um, how do you, how is that playing out? Well, I'm going to say it this way. It's the nicest way I can say it. They don't have a choice. The brands that sit on the sidelines are going to be left behind. If you go back and look at data and research dating all the way back to the great depression, brands that do not continue to market and advertise their market share dips drastically when whatever the issue was is lifted so whether when we came out of when we came out of the great depression when we came out of the recession when we started to come out of the fog that all of us were in after 9 11 um all of these major moments in our history have been defining moments for brands and i have been reading so much about it because to be honest i was at a different place in my career after 9 11. I had only had my company mad booking and events for two years and I didn't really understand. My main focus was producing events, not brand partnerships. So now that I've been able to really do a deep dive into the historical research on how brands have, have kind of weathered the storm, how they advertised or didn't advertise and then how they did afterwards is fascinating to me because I've had some conversations with brands where they're saying, you know what? We're just going to hit pause till Q1 of 2021. And then I've seen brands, sometimes it's even the challenger brands. So, you know, you think Coca-Cola, General Motors, Verizon, those big brands. But then when you think about some of the challenger brands to them, 
those are the ones that are even doubling down more. I'm not saying that those three brands that I just mentioned are not advertising because actually Verizon is doing a phenomenal job right now doing programs with Dave Matthews Band and, new, and numerous artists. But in other categories, there are challenger brands that are really stepping up. And what's going to happen is they're going to gain new fans of their brand that are going to become loyal. Because right now, anyone that is entertaining you, entertaining the family, you know, that's what we're all looking for right now. Like, what is something that we can do at home with the whole family? I know we do. I mean, so whether it's a workout class or a cooking class or Dolly Parton reading a bedtime story every night, you know, anything that just makes us smile for a second. There's only so much news and death and gloom and doom that we can see on a daily basis. You know, we try to limit it to the morning and at night. And during the day, we want to laugh. We want to smile. We want to spend time, you know, with our family as, as we're all under this stay-at-home order. That's a fascinating point in that, um, I, it's something I learned early in my career that, that I had mentored into me, which was during the tough times, the companies that don't make it are the ones that base their austerity plans around um, curtailing sales and marketing, as opposed to mm -hmm. keeping the sales and marketing people out there and keeping the campaigns going, borne out by your point, which is those are the brands that are remembered. They're the brands that sometimes launch the iconic campaigns during those moments. But also at this point in time in particular, for a brand, it must be fascinating because it's been a long time. Certainly, you know, all this conversation around the fragmentation of media and the move to streaming, brands can actually get into people's homes now in a way they probably haven't been able to in years. You have a captive audience. Like, I've never seen anything like this. It actually makes me speechless. You have a completely open playing field. And you, a brand can step into it and dominate, dominate the conversation. You just, you see it in anything, whether it's Matthew McConaughey and his family hosting a bingo with the senior citizens home, which he did a couple nights ago. I must have had 40 people send that to me. It's not news, but it made you smile, you know? And I think that right now brands are in a difficult, they're in a catch 22 because let's be honest, they need to continue to sell whatever product it is that they sell. That's number one. And number two they don't want to sound like they're selling. So they either have to make the story or they have to become a part of the story and a part of the conversation that America is having right now. And I'm really focusing just on American advertising because to be honest, I've not really looked at what they're doing in Asia and, and Europe. So to me, the brands, like, and I use, I've used this example 10 times, but I, I cannot scream it from the rooftops enough. And I've never worked with this artist or brand, but I love seeing fabulous uh, brand partnerships come to life. And the Jesse Reyes, Jameson deal, if you haven't seen it, you should look it up. She posted on Instagram, this was her debut album release, and she was looking for dollars to fund it. And she posted on Instagram that Jameson stepped up, um, her management did the deal and stepped up and came on as a partner but what was so moving about it, and I mean, it really, it, it, they say if you don't get up in the morning and aren't excited to go to work, especially when you're in the music industry, that you're in the wrong industry because we're not saving lives. When I read her post, I got goosebumps. And so even after 25 years plus in the industry, 
but a, a successful brand partnership still does that to me. And that's why I know I'm in the right field. Mm -hmm. And so Jameson was able, because Jesse Reyes, um, was no longer on Billie Eilish's tour because Billie had canceled her tour and she was at opening act. She wasn't going to be able to pay all of her staff and her dancers and management and everybody. And so the money that Jameson paid for her album release event funded all of her expenses for a month. And they were still able to get money to music cares and a couple other charities. Wow. So it was a win-win for everyone. And I think too right now for artists is they can't be afraid. Um, I really feel like Zach Brown's video. I don't know if you saw that from a couple weeks ago when he shot a video and said he was having to lay off like 90% of his staff after 15 years. That was just gut wrenching. Okay. But that was the example that I used to talk to all brands that we're in, currently in discussions with to say, these artists, they need your help. You know, a lot of people forget that artists are businesses. You know, they have sometimes 10, 20, 100, a couple of hundred people on payroll, depending on the level of the artist. If they're a club act or a stadium act, you know, think about all the people that are on the payroll for the Rolling Stones or for Beyonce, you know, or for Billie Eilish. So that's expensive when you're not out on the road generating money. And when you see that some of the PROs are delaying their payments, I mean, that's really the only way that, that artists are getting paid right now is through streaming and, you know, through money that they're making from their publisher if they're a songwriter. So, you know, we're in extraordinary times, but I think that not that brand partnerships were not extremely important, but I think that now coming out of this pandemic, brand partnerships are going to be, bigger than ever. And what I'm really hoping is that not to knock sports because you're talking to the biggest hockey and football fan there is, but that's a $60 billion industry. Sorry, dogs. Um, and music is 6 billion. So imagine because all of the artists have been so quick to pivot and start these living room concerts and cooking classes or whatever kind of content brands see that as resonating with consumers and they start shifting their spend from sports to music. Let's just say 10%. We're going to double, double literally. Now there's also, I do need to do a, say a caveat. There is some numbers that say it's 1.6 billion, the music brand partnership gross revenues. And there's some that say 6 billion. I'm going with the 6 billion number because I've, I've seen it more and more, but imagine if that went to 12 billion because we were able to get some of those dollars uh, shifted from sports to music. Yep. So I am absolutely an optimist. I don't want to say that it's, you know, we're at doomsday right now in the music industry. I actually think it's just a reset. Yep. And I think that, every company is going to have to look within and say, what creatives do we have? What can we do? What are new revenue streams? I mean, it reminds me a lot of what happened after CD sales plummeted, And when Napster just rocked our world, in this instance, it's the pandemic and it's COVID. They came in and rocked our industry, similar to the travel industry, the retail industry and the service industry with restaurants and bars. Because a lot of restaurants and bars shut down and didn't pivot and do delivery and takeout. Mm -hmm. 
I think that point dovetails back into the other question I wanted to ask you, which was, you know, again, your firm and your work, you've done a really amazing job of making brand partnerships and brand money more accessible to artists and making artists, for lack of a better way to say it, more reliable partners for brands. And I'm, I've always been curious, um, as I've watched your company grow, who had to change more? And how did you get those two in better alignment? They both had to change. You know, you're never going to hear me say something bad about a brand and not turn around and say something bad about an artist. You know, I've always said I work on behalf of the deal because if both sides are unhappy, then there's no deal. And so artists have had to learn that when they commit to something, they have to do it. But so have brands. Brands will just make an offer and then all of a sudden, two weeks later, decide they don't want to do it. And I'm like, nope, you made a firm offer. Well, we haven't signed a contract. Well, you're going to be out of business with that artist. And by the way, that artist is represented by this attorney and this manager and this booking agent and me. So you might as well write us all off and you're never going to do business with any of us. So it's just about making sure that both sides of a partnership understand and meet in the middle. And trust me, it's, um, I would say that 90% of every deal, major deal I've ever done has gone away four to five times. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then comes back. And so when it goes away and the other side is freaking out, I always say you, you pushed them too hard, whether that's coming from the artist or the brand. But if they really want the deal, they always come back. And when they don't come back, they didn't want the deal. What's a deal or a project that you see right out there right now, either within your own roster or just as sort of a student and observer of, of this space um, that you think is a good example of what you were saying earlier about a brand and a creative stepping up in this time? Verizon and, and what they're doing with uh, their living room sessions. And I'm a huge Dave Matthews fan, but, and I actually showed it uh, during my NYU class because Matt Ringle was, was our speaker from um, Red Light Management. And it just kind of brought tears to my eyes because it was families in their living room dancing. I mean, Dave Matthews Band is, is, and it was just Dave Matthews, excuse me, that was uh, performing acoustic in his living room that wasn't the full band. But um, he's one of those artists that's cross-generational. So someone who's 15 years old, 25, 35, 45, 55, loves him. And seeing all these families in their living room doing something together, smiling, dancing, singing, laughing. That's what a successful brand partnership is about right now. That's great. Um, thank you for sharing your, uh, your wisdom and insight. I really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, maybe keeping in touch with you as this situation evolves and we'll see, uh, we'll see uh, how brands are behaving and how the marketplace um, is responding, you know, over the next six or 12 weeks as this thing continues. I'd love the opportunity to talk to you again. Anytime. I will always make the time and I have a lot of time right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Marcy Allen and her team at Mac Presents. Thank you to our editor and producer, Craig Snyder, and thank you to Aunt Taylor and the whole gang at Light. Please share your experience living in the new normal. Hit me up at lawrence at light.com. That's L-A-W-R-E-N 
ce at lyte.com. I'd really love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, be safe.